the, there was a question on the on the chat uh, because we were talking about yesterday how part of the reason why we went into Galut, why we go into exile uh, of the first exile of the temple after the first temple is destroyed, was related to the fact that the was related to the fact that we did not keep the Shemitah properly. We didn't, you know, have the sabbatical year properly kept in the first uh, however many years we were in the land of Israel. And that's actually the exact amount of years we were in that first exile. So the question then came up, well, it actually, if we remember, there are other Talmudic passages that seem to indicate other reasons why we get exiled, or at least why the temple gets destroyed. And the reason that the Gemara gives there's two separate Gemaras. One Gemara talks about the fact that they did not make a blessing before learning Torah every day. Another the Gemara talks about the fact that they were not being careful with the three cardinal sins. When it comes to the second temple, we describe two different reasons that are, seem to be very similar. Which, which sins? The three cardinal sins, right? So Avodah Zarah, right? Idolatry. And Gilo right? Illicit relationships. And um, and Ritzicha, uh, which is to kill people who don't deserve to die, right? The so that's two different set of reasons given in two different Talmudic passages why the first temple was destroyed. In terms of why the second temple was destroyed, we are told that it has to do with the baseless hatred. A different Talmudic passage teaches that it is because of the people not being careful about lashon hara, about speaking ill about other people. Now that's very much related, right? The lashon hara, that the speaking ill of others is certainly related to baseless hatred. But in the first temple period, it seems to be discussing two different points. But regardless, that doesn't seem to be connected to the Shemitah or the lack thereof of observance of the Shemitah cycle, the sabbatical cycle. So what's important to recognize is Reb Hirsch is teaching based on those Rishonim, on the earlier commentators, what he is teaching is like this. He is teaching that the reason why we get sent into exile why we have to leave the land of Israel. Because he is trying to explain, we got the Torah out in the land of Israel because that's really what makes us a nation. Why do we go into the land of Israel? Because we want to teach the world a certain lesson. Well, why do we lose that connection to the land of Israel? Because we did not take heed of that lesson. And instead of recognizing that what that which we receive is coming from Hashem, we thought it was our own power. And therefore, we did not listen to Hashem when he says we have to take it easy and leave the land fallow every seven years. We said, that's not going to work. How will we survive? Right? That's why we get exiled in the land of Israel. The two Talmudic passages that are describing the reason why we, the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed come up with these two different reasons, which is the fact that we have violating the three cardinal sins and the fact that we are not learning Torah properly with a proper level of respect. But in terms of why we get exiled in the land, that's a little bit of a different idea. Okay, so we're continuing the, the footnote that we started yesterday, and the footnote is on page 136, and we've been describing how Rav Hirsch has a positive spin on the reasons why we have to go into exile. So we are on 136, the second paragraph. To the extent that the exile served to spread knowledge of God, it has been a positive step in world history. But if the Jewish people had not sinned, the same objective could have been attained without the exile. The gullus, far from being an ideal, the exile, far from being an ideal, must always be seen as a result of our sins. In other words, the silver lining of having been sent into exile is that through the exile, we are then able to teach the other nations of the world and to spread the beauty of Judaism and monotheism throughout the world. 
However, if we would not have sinned, we would not have had to go into exile and we still could have achieved the same objective. Moreover, the lesson that it was to teach the Jewish people about the vanity of power and possessions, thereby cleansing it of its sins, could be taught only through deprivation, pain, and suffering. A fact that Rabbi Shamshin Rafal Hirsch fully acknowledged, right? So when we discuss the positive aspects, positive elements of the galut, of the exile, it's important to recognize we're emphasizing the positive aspects that come out of the fact that we went into exile, but not that these aspects could not have come about in any other way. We're not saying that. They could have come about in a different way. And ideally, that is what would have happened. And the fact that we had to go into exile is due to our sins. Not only can there be no freedom for us in exile, no peace and normal life, but there can be no full observance of the Torah, even if we want it, and no proper leadership. What does he mean, no, no full observance of the Torah? So <clears throat> we know that traditionally there are 613 Torah commandments. And one of the books, the Sefer HaChinuch, right, which goes through the 613 commandments of the Torah, at the end of each of the mitzvot, where he says, here's the reason for the mitzvah, this is the source for the mitzvah, at the end, there's a separate paragraph in which he describes, is this mitzvah still relevant today? And a lot, a, a strong plurality of the mitzvot are no longer relevant today because we are not majority living in the land of Israel, right? That is not to say that the majority of people in the land of Israel are Jewish, but rather that not the majority of Jews are in the land of Israel. And we don't have a kingdom that is set up al-pi halacha, that is set up based on Jewish law. And therefore, we, do, we are not going to be obligated to keep many of the mitzvot. Also, we don't have a temple. And so many of the mitzvot are very much related to the temple. So when we are in exile, it is impossible for us to fully observe the Torah properly. Instead, there are corrosive influences which tend to lead us astray from the paths of Jewish truths, right? We are surrounded by a society that doesn't necessarily have the right priorities, right? And when society doesn't have the right priorities, no matter how hard we might fight, and no matter how hard I'm, I'm thinking of, of some people on this on the Zoom right now who are spending so much of their time fighting the good fight to try to ensure that society doesn't go too far one way or the other and allows for some freedom of expression. That being said, it has an impact on all of us when there is this chilling effect for thinking certain thoughts. And very, very often religious thoughts, religious ideologies are very, very far from the mainstream. And it's considered you know, beyond the pale to believe these religious thoughts. It's far more difficult to keep the Torah properly in that environment. Even if our material and social conditions improve and we achieve full rights in the countries of our dispersion, we cannot rejoice for this was not what we mourned for on our exile in the first place, which is what Rev Hirsch had said right at the end of the previous letter. What we looked for was spiritual rehabilitation. And that has actually become even more difficult in an age when it is so easy to assimilate to the non-Jewish world. I mentioned previously the reaction of the Jewish people of the great sages of the Jewish people when Napoleon was advancing on Russia. And at the time, Russia was a terribly repressive nation. And the Tsar at that time was particularly uh, evil and particularly interested in persecuting the Jewish people. And Napoleon was preaching equality. And therefore there were two schools of thought when Napoleon was advancing on the Russian empire. Would this be good for the Jews or bad for the Jews? And some of the great rabbis were of the opinion this would be good for the Jews if Napoleon could take down the Russian empire and Jews would have a sense of equality and they would be free from the persecutions. The Balatanya, famously the first Lubavitch Rebbe, 
did not think so. And he thought this would actually be bad for the Jewish people because if there would be too much equality, it would be too easy for them to assimilate and to lose what makes them special when they have a sense of being unique and a sense of being apart from the nations of the world with a different mission. And it has been proven what he thought. This is indeed the most difficult stage of exile and we have not so far passed this test. Indeed, were it not for the providential kindness of God, who does not reject us completely in exile, but sends us leaders who keep the spirit of Torah alive among us and in front of the nations, the purposes of exile would never be achieved, right? This is an interesting idea. If we did not have the, the, the science and the people who are able to carry the Torah and they're isolated people who are going into places in which most people are not keeping the Torah and the society around them is completely antithetical to the messages of the Torah. And without the individuals who are teaching the Torah and bringing that message again and again throughout the ages, it would be impossible, right? We would disappear, right? We would dissipate as, as we see happening to unfortunately so many American Jews who are not connected to the Torah anymore. And within a generation or two, we, we know what happens, unfortunately. Our sages actually suggest that if the Jewish people does not deserve redemption from exile, at an earlier stage, it will be redeemed at a time previously set when the redemption will be forced, so to speak. This is a, a very interesting idea the sages discuss. There will be two different ways that the exile will end, either because we are worthy of the exile ending, or because if we would stay in exile any longer, we will disappear as the Jewish people. We will no longer have a possibility of returning from that exile. And then Hashem will have to force the exile prior to us deserving it. The reason may be the desecration of God's name among the nations that is inherent in the Jewish people being in exile and not living up to its task. That might be why Hashem will be forced to redeem us even if we're not worthy because the mission has been aborted, right? And the person who sent us, not the person, but the force who sent us on this mission to bring light to the nations, if he sees we are failing so abjectly in a way that is, instead of teaching the world how to act, teaching the world how not to act, then Hashem is going to say, mission abort. We're going to have to bring the redemption before we actually are worthy of having that redemption brought to us. Uh, by the way, just a heads up, everyone. Um, over the next, starting, I think, next week, we're going to have like a, a bunch of different classes from the JSN on Zoom uh, about different things related to Pesach, right? So some things will be like, how do you clean for Pesach? How do you deal with Pesach this year when it's going to be Arab Pesach, which is typically when you get rid of the chametz, is going to be Shabbat. You have to eat a meal. What are you supposed to eat? All those different questions. You know, there'll be a class about the Haggadah, the class about the Seder. We'll, we'll go through a bunch of different topics, a bunch of different JSN rabbis. So everyone should, uh, I'll keep you posted as we decide exactly what days they're going to be, but just a heads up. Okay. Take care, everyone. Be well. Good night.